Welcome to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke. The new academic year is now underway in our Catholic schools, and in the midst of a pandemic, there are many challenges, but also much hope for a positive experience for our families and teachers. The Diocese of Pittsburgh Schools Office, regional administrators, and local school principals worked hard this summer on health and safety reopening protocols. A planned template was vetted by the pastors, parents, teachers, and medical professionals. Then proposals were adapted by principals according to their school's unique needs and approved by our school's office. Here to talk about those reopening plans and the different scenarios that could take place this school year is Michelle Peduto, who is the Director of Catholic Schools for the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh. Michelle, welcome back to Catholic Education Plus. Thank you, Father Tom. It's always a pleasure. I'm happy to be back. And after uh, Labor Day this past uh, Monday, our schools reopened on Tuesday, so we're up and running. Uh, When the coronavirus struck earlier this year, you had almost no time to react immediately, closing our school buildings and quickly switching to online learning. And this summer, you've had a little bit more time to plan, but the situation was always challenging. First, tell us how you got organized with the COVID-19 educational planning team. Well, sure. We had a very intense spring, as you know, just uh, staying on top of the distance learning protocols um, that we had to implement so quickly. As soon as school ended, I think it was the the Monday after school ended, we were back at it again with with a group that we had selected from regional administrators, principals, uh, to work on this um, document to prepare for the opening in the fall. So we spent about two months working on that, uh, and as you said, we had it vetted by teachers, parents, physicians, other professionals um, that were parents and other professionals that just came from our our community, our local communities, to be sure we were on track, and um, we released that the very first of August. So it was a very intense summer. I think we actually worked harder and many times it was seven seven days a week uh, to get the plan up and running and to get everybody on board and and everybody aware of what was happening yeah and and just watching the news stories over the summer throughout august um, and even in late july i mean it was just changing daily and weekly uh, for all the school administrators across the state and across the country and you folks uh, have done a tremendous job with that. Um, now, the team created a diocesan school health and safety plan template. Can you tell our listeners what are some of the key elements of that plan? Well, our, the key elements of the plan are similar to other plans that are developed by all the schools across the state, and we start with preventative measures, and those are the key pieces of hygiene, good hygiene, uh, social distancing, and, you know, in July, the governor released the mandate that we would all wear masks, and so that um, became part of that piece as a mandatory measure. Uh, we also have a piece of it that talks about monitoring student and staff help. What do we do if we identify a case in the school or if there's a case outside the school that impacts the school, what do we do? Um, so those pieces are in there, those mechanisms on how we report and quarantine We also have some professional development protocols because this required a whole new way of thinking on the part of our teachers. Not that we're not always always considering hygiene, but these are extreme measures where we really want to be sure 
that we're taking every possible safety step. So there was a professional development uh, involving our maintenance staff and our, our teachers and, and also our children and our families so that everyone would know what to do. Those are the primary pieces to this plan. Mm-hmm. Now, our Catholic schools, they opened uh, the last week of August. Uh, the elementary mm-hmm. teachers asked for more time to prepare for their classrooms, uh, practice the new protocols, the test systems for distance learning, and to do additional health and safety training. How are their needs a little bit different uh, with the younger students versus the high school students? Well, one of the key factors is we, we switched what we were doing from the spring. So in the spring, we had distance learning. But in the fall, we were moving to synchronous learning, which is live streaming. Um, And the teachers were just really not confident just because they had no practice with it. So we wanted to give them a few extra weeks to practice that, but also to be sure that the hallways, everything was set so that when the students came back to school, it would would flow as, as best it could given the situation. But younger children we had to teach them. You have to teach them the first few weeks. And to do that, you want to be sure that the teachers are adequately prepared to do that. It is a little bit different with high school, actually a lot different with high school, because those students are very technology savvy and teachers too. They've worked with um, blended programs where it's partly online, partly in class. They, They really did a beautiful job with that. Our high schools jumped right into that and did just such a great job. But then you're also working with young adults who, who take direction very well, and, and there's not a lot of um, walking through routines with them. They pick it up very quickly. So we wanted to allot our teachers the time to really feel confident, feel good about um, starting that first day. So that was the reason for giving them just a, maybe seven or eight days more than the high school had. Sure, and I can understand, I think pretty much everybody, uh, obviously the high school students, it's a little bit different than the elementary school students. So I could see, you know, uh, realistically it was probably better to pause an extra additional week for the elementary school teachers just to get everybody up and running, get get all their ducks in order, so to speak, versus the high school because it's a little bit more complex with with the younger children. Are the elementary teachers feeling more comfortable now uh, since they had that additional week? Well, I think they are. I visited two schools and spoken with the teachers. Yesterday I went to visit um, Holy Family in Plum, our newly merged school. Uh, The teachers were excited to start. And that's the difference, too, feeling apprehensive and then feeling excitement because you are prepared. And so that's what I've sensed from the teachers. I was up at Holy, um, I'm sorry, Our Lady of Fatima last week is also speaking with teachers, and their rooms were all ready, and they were actually very anxious to, to start at that point. So that's a much better way to start the year. I think they are. I've, I've heard from several via email and text message me- messages that they appreciate the extra time, and they're, uh, they're excited. The children are excited to be back, too, which was wonderful to see, the smiling eyes. I, say I, I saw so many smiling eyes yesterday because <laughs> they all had their little masks on. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. School opened uh, this past Tuesday, and uh, I, I, I have three schools, so it's obviously it's a little unique for me as a pastor uh, with St. Bede and Point Breeze, Sister Thea Bowman Catholic Academy in Wilkinsburg, and St. Benedict Moore in the Hill District. And I, yeah. in talking to all three of my principals, they were, they were, um, you know, really feeling extra 
um, at ease uh, that they had that extra time. That additional week was was really good, and they they were all ready to go. And uh, they felt, you know, opening day this past Tuesday, it, it went very well, very smooth. Mm-hmm. Now you've pointed out that every school is unique. There's no cookie cutter approach, obviously. What ways are they different, and how do you take that into consideration? Because the buildings are different, um, the campus outline, the administrators, they're all unique in a special way. Yeah, they are. They are, and they all have different enrollments, and different. Mm-hmm. there's different numbers that range anywhere from 100 to 600, and uh, their facility sites are laid out differently, as you said. So there's some have larger rooms, some have smaller rooms, some have more community spaces, communal spaces that they can utilize. Some have outdoor spaces that they can utilize, which is what we highly recommend. It is as much as you could have the students outside, have them outside if it's if it's possible throughout the day to give them breaks to take, you know, with social distancing to take a mask break, to maybe eat lunch outside. So, so the facilities are different, the enrollments different. Um, we we just really wanted each site to really evaluate. Uh, what they what they have and how they could adapt their spaces for the health and safety plan. So there there is no there is no cookie cutter piece for this. We just rely on schools to 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 look carefully at their own situations. And I, I did point out uh, repeatedly that unlike public schools, we in some cases we have very large spaces that accommodate a smaller number of students. And we also had a anywhere from 15 to 20% of our students opted for fully online. That was very different by school, too. Some were 10%. One school was 50%. So they're very, very different circumstances for each site. Yeah, and I was uh, driving around uh, on Tuesday doing uh, just a lot of different errands, and I saw uh, I drove past um, Archangel Gabriel in Robinson Township on Steubenville Pike, and st- I saw a teacher with her class right in front of the school, and they have a, a nice big parking lot and a nice grassy area. And then over St. Bede and Point Breeze, uh, the students were uh, in the big grassy area there along South Dallas Avenue in Egerton. So that's good if, uh, as long as the weather uh, cooperates, and I'm sure our teachers and and the principals and the kids, you know, will utilize outdoor spacing too, uh, as the as the weather permits, just to get some fresh air and keep that social distancing. And as you said, you know, um, utilize these every all the buildings are different, and if they have uh, a large open space outdoors or um, down the hall or a big gymnasium area, utilize that wide open space to be flexible. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree, yes, mm-hmm. yes, wholeheartedly. Okay, good, and just be flexible <laughs> as, as we get be our flexible. Um, up and running. That's, that's all you have to do. I think that's the whole name of the game for the whole year is to be flexible. It absolutely is, yeah. absolutely is, yes, indeed. We'll, we'll take a break. Uh, we got lots more to cover. Uh, you're listening to Catholic Education Plus here on KDK Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke, the pastor of St. Mary Magdalene Parish, serving the communities of the East End, Homewood, Point Breeze, and Wilkinsburg section of the city of Pittsburgh, and also the pastor of St. Benedict the Moor Parish in the Hill District. And this morning, I'm with the director of Catholic Schools, uh, Mrs. Michelle Peduto, and our Catholic Schools are up and running here in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Now, Michelle, you have in-person 
distance learning and hybrid plans in place to deliver a quality uh, Catholic education to our students. And as we mentioned in our first segment, each school is obviously uh, offering all three of these different, and the percentages are different. Now, how will each of these work, the three different um, options for our parents? Well, we'll start with the easiest and the one we're most familiar with, and that's the in-person. Of course, that's just day-to-day in the classroom with social distancing and masks and all the safety protocols we mentioned earlier. And then we have a hybrid model, which can also vary school to school, and it, it is somewhat dependent upon transportation as well, how this how this rolls out. But generally, it runs 2-2-1, which is two days in for one group and then two days in for the other half of the school, and then one day off where everyone's online. That's been the standard. Now, there are variations of that based on decisions made locally. Um, And, of course, the online, the completely fully virtual, is offered to everyone throughout the diocese uh, if they so choose, and that's just at-home instruction uh, with, um, with live streaming coming from the classroom. So you're actually present in the classroom to some degree, ironically, and receiving instruction just as your peers are receiving instruction. So, And I think the key here, and I really want to make sure everyone is clear about this, this is a very fluid situation, as you mentioned earlier. It changes quickly. It's not something that school administrators like or parents like, the idea that you don't know day-to-day what's coming. We've really learned that since March 13th, that you just don't know. And so we have to be able to pivot quickly from one model to the other. And that is, it is, I would say, probable. It is likely that at some point in time we may have to pivot from one model to another. Um, our, that was part of the training over the summer. So teachers could do that without skipping a beat, that that would flow very nicely into the next model. But it does require a lot of patience on the part of everyone. And so I do want to make sure that everyone is aware that because we've started one way does not necessarily mean that that will be the way through the end of the year. We just don't know. No, it's as you said, it's fluid. Now, for me personally, uh, my nephew Thomas, my namesake, uh, is a senior this year at St. LaSalle High School, and uh, he is choosing the uh, distance option. Uh, my sister Lisa and my brother-in-law Paul have chosen that model, and, and Thomas said that you know it's working out very well. He logs on every morning, and he's literally you know sees his classmates and his teacher, and and that's and it's working out very well. Obviously, you know, eventually he does want to get back into. Uh, the building um, physically to see his friends and, and interact with the faculty. Now, some families are choosing that distance option, and you said you've committed to providing an experience that mirrors in-classroom learning. How do you do that? So, it, 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 as I said before, it, it, it is the live streaming piece that makes all the difference because mm-hmm. it does then set forth a daily schedule for the, the student who's at home to participate in classes and to, and to actually, I mean, actively participate in the class as it's going on with questions and um, just contributing to the classroom discussion. So, it does allow for that. So, I think that piece is really important, and it's interesting you mentioned your nephew because we did find over the course of the spring, I was hearing from some parents that we have students that prefer mm-hmm. uh, the online approach. So it's something to consider long term um, because stu- children learn differently. Young adults learn differently. Adults learn differently. And, and I think we're finding even in our workforce that in some cases our, our um, 
employees prefer to be at home and and the the production the work production is much is greater for them to be at home so there's a lot of considerations but i think the live streaming has made all the difference as far as um, having the student feel a part of the class and i think everybody's come a long way since uh, march when we were forced to shut down and and had to do the the home homeschooling program, you know, the virtual, and, and it's amazing how quickly just over the last couple of months how everything has improved for everybody because obviously, you know, you have time to prepare, and as you said, it's fluid, and it gets better and better day by day, week by week. Now, one thing we've learned about the virus that it's nearly impossible to stop, it's spread, but it can be contained. How do you hope to do that in all of our schools? Well, we are... We're doing a lot of praying, and we're encouraging a lot of communal prayer that we just we, we pray together on all of these things. But proactively, we're putting all of those health and safety measures in place. We're asking that families at home honor those health and safety practices because, obviously, they're only with us six or seven hours of the day, and they're at home for the rest of the time. So we're hoping that that, that happens. I think we really can do this, but it does require great vigilance and great understanding and uh, commitment to what's, what's important, and that's uh, the children and their experiences. And I think because it does move so quickly, this is such an, I don't want to say ideal time because that sounds very uh, ironic, I guess, but it is a time to teach our children through our faith how to handle adversity, how do we overcome obstacles, how do we work through difficulties, these are opportunities that can form our children for a lifetime. And so if we do this courageously and, and with all of the things, all these procedures in mind, I think there's a great lesson to be learned by the young people on how they move forward throughout their lives. Yeah. Now, I know you have a lot of contingency plans, but how do you respond if something unexpected comes up? Because you have to. You have to be on call, well, so to speak. Well, that, that happens. That happens frequently, and and I think it's. I have such. I'm working with incredible people, so when you have things that come up, it's not up to me, one person, to figure out the solution. I have regional administrators. I have principals, teachers. I have diocesan help, and we we work together. We pull together very quickly and and come up with whatever we need to come up with uh, to get through the situation at hand, and we have great support through our communities. We have terrific parents that have expertise all over the place. So the the key is these are not one-woman or one-man decisions. These are things that I'm blessed to have such an incredibly gifted group of people around me. So I think that's key, and then we do it step-by-step, and they're they're so multi-talented that... uh, I just know I can I can count on these folks to get through anything, and then and you know what? It's always about God, always right. about yeah. God first. So well, we only have about a minute and a half. I want to get to the last question. You have told parents that their partnership, patience, and prayers—the three Ps—are essential right now, and that's definitely for sure. How do you try to keep everyone on the same page and working together? Uh, your final thoughts? Yeah, communication, open communication, both ways. If you don't understand what we're doing, reach out. Everybody, I think everybody in the world has my cell phone at this point in time. So we take those calls. It's always better to reach out locally first because they're on the ground. But keeping that communication open 
very difficult to do in ever-changing uh, times because once you put out a message, it seems like it's you've got to put out another message to correct the previous message. So um, there, there is that piece. But open communication and also understanding that people really are trying their best. They are trying their best to do what's best for kids. We, we, every day that is our focus. That and being sure that we're communicating the faith aspect to everyone, that it's, it's absolutely integrated into everything we do. So patience, prayer, positivity, um, all of those things, and communication above all. Absolutely, yeah, the three Ps, patience, um, perseverance, and prayer. Yeah. I mean, you have to. You have to do that. And I really want to commend you and Anna Torrance and the rest of the diocesan staff for all that you've done. Uh, tremendous kudos to you. Yeah. Michelle Peduto, Director of Catholic Schools, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to KDK Radio. In our plus segment, we're featuring the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And this weekend, uh, we are looking at the Gospel of St. Matthew, the parable of the unforgiving servant. A king forgives the servant's debt, showing mercy and forgiveness. And when that servant encounters a fellow servant who owes him a modest amount, he demands full payment immediately and forgets uh, the mercy and forgiveness that he was treated. And mercy and forgiveness cannot be earned. They come from the heart with no limitations. And we, too, are called to live out uh, the commandments as the way that we honor our covenant with God. If we have revenge and hate, there's no place in our relationship with God and others, and especially uh, this time of year when our nation is so uh, unrest uh, with the social justice issues, the political divisiveness, uh, treating others with mercy gives us all of us uh, peace. And Jesus tells us that we should have no limits um, for forgiveness as well. So let's work on our own relationships to be forgiven, to love God, and to love our neighbor. <laughs> 